scared, frightened rabbits, you. You're sick people, do you know that? You're sick people, all of you. And you don't even know what you're starting here, because let me tell you, let me tell you, you're starting something here that that's what you should be frightened of. As God is my witness, you're letting something begin here that's that's a nightmare. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And I hope you guys enjoyed uh, Mirror Image and maybe, you know, you spent some time chasing after yourselves in the past like week or so, and maybe you caught yourself. I don't know. Um, I know that I, if I saw myself right down the street, I'd be like, that guy, he really, uh, I'm not going to chase him because I don't want to run. That would, I'd just get tired and be like, there you go. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, um, so... Uh, we're back with uh, one of my favorite episodes this week, uh, Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. Yeah, um, I will say right now that I feel like, unfortunately, this episode is probably more relevant now than it was when it first aired. I mean, pretty close. It feels like a lot of the themes have not gone away, and that doesn't speak well for was it a show that's 56 years old. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so hopefully you enjoyed it uh, more than last week's uh, or last episode. Oh yeah, no, no, you were not happy at the end of the last one. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, I, Mirror Image has its good moments, uh, and like, uh, there's things I could take away from it, uh, it but this one, for story wise, from A to B, is much more complete and is much more, I think quintessential twilight zone i mean granted this is one of your favorite episodes it's uh a lot of people put this in their top 10 so mm -hmm. there's a reason why this one resonates so yeah this is really good yeah i don't want to get too uh, ahead of ourselves talking about it because there's a lot to dig into with this one absolutely so uh this is season one episode 22 uh monsters duo maple street air date uh march 4th 1960 uh, number one film, uh, it is Ben-Hur, but we're done. We're going to be done with Ben-Hur, I promise, after this. Number one song, theme from a summer place, we're not going to be done with that for a while. Um, only thing I could find that was relevant to the week is the day before, uh, Lucille Ball filed for divorce from Desi Arnaz, and I thought that was interesting just because of the, the Desi Lou Playhouse, or the Westing Playhouse, whatever it is that they, they put together, is where the, the time element pilot first showed up so it was if it wasn't for their involvement the twilight zone would not be on television so i thought that was interesting yeah um and then kind of related to this episode on march 4th 1960 uh a cargo ship in uh, uh the havana harbor exploded and it kind of started the cold war between the u.s and cuba 
Oh, that's so, a lot more relevant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of ties in. Um, but yeah, we are in the midst of the Cold War, and I'm sure that'll get brought up quite a bit here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as far as communism and uh, McCarthyism. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's just go ahead and we'll get to the cast and crew. Yes. Uh, this episode was directed by Ron Winston, who didn't do too much. Um, he did two other Twilight Zone episodes. Um, some that are going to be coming up in the future. And this episode is written by the one and only Rod Serling. Yeah. Ron Winston, the reason he didn't do too much is because he died at 40 and he was 27 when he directed this. Ah. Which is like, when you think about it, it's like, again, what what am I doing with my life? Like, this kid, this, he's 27 years old directing television, like one of the probably best half hours of television, you know? So that's, I, I again, question my life decisions. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, the cast, uh, quite a bit, of, uh, quite a large cast on this episode for once. Um, I just kind of took down four of the major characters in it. So we have Claude a- Aikens, who plays Steve Brand, who is in a ton of stuff. Um, but I'm just going to bring up Tentacles, a really bad killer octopus movie from the 70s. Nice. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, he was also really well known for being Sheriff Lobo. Uh, mm-hmm. That was, and he was also in Battle Battle for the Planet of the Apes. So another uh, Sterling connection there too. Yeah, and then him and the next actor I'm going to mention mention were both in Kolchak, the Night Stalker, the TV movie, not the series. Um, and that next person is Barry Atwater, who plays Les Goodman, um, his only Twilight Zone. But yeah, he was also in Kolchak with uh, Claude Akins. And I, you, I know you are not going to know this, but he also he was a Vulcan on the original series of Star Trek. He played a I'm going to, I'm going to mispronounce this Okis Surak. And the funny thing about that is that he couldn't do the Vulcan salute where you take your you know your two fingers and split them like a V. So I can't do that either. Yeah, so he had to, <laughs> whenever he was going to do it, he actually had to move his hand out of frame and then squeeze his fingers together and keep them that way and then hold his hand up. So I thought that was uh, <laughs> thought that was interesting. It's just like you know the, the second the second Vulcan can't even do it right. I, I can't I can uh, <laughs> I can commiserate with him. I can't do that. Well, I'm sitting here trying to do it right now. I still can't do it. <laughs> well, that's funny. That's 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 an oddly specific thing that that um, people can't do. Uh, but I guess you're not a Vulcan, so that, at least yeah, that's not. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, next, we have Jack Weston, who plays Charlie Farnsworth. He was in one other Twilight Zone uh, episode. What I knew him from, I had just talked about wait until dark on the film for thought podcast last year and i uh, recognized him from that uh he was also in dirty dancing and everyone's favorite bmx movie rad oh he's in rad i should know yeah. that oh my goodness i just saw that he was born in cleveland and he has a, a big uh, comedic role in a film called please don't eat the daisies which i'm going to be mentioning in the next few episodes because it becomes like the number one film on and off like ah. later in the season yeah, but he was a rad. Of, I gotta watch rad shit. again. <laughs> we have a rad tie in the Twilight Zone. I would have never thought. That's amazing. I, 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 <laughs> like rad is life, you know. Um, uh, the last person I took notes for. You can go on after that if you have any other notes on actors. But I have Jan Hanslick as Tommy, um, child actor who only has two acting credits to his name, and they're both fairly big. Uh, acting roles but uh he went on to become a pretty well-known lawyer oh okay yeah. um i just had uh burt metcalf who uh played don martin i just want to mention because he was a writer and producer on mash which was like you know yeah. that's a, that's a phenomenon itself so i thought that was yeah. interesting yeah. 
but that's it. Like no, no other, no, nothing else. Because there's a lot of people in this episode. Um, it's just that you see a lot of faces, and they kind of go by them real fast. But I mean, of course, it's a neighborhood street, right? So you got to have neighbors. But there wasn't a lot of a lot of speaking roles for each one of them. Yeah, and most of those people I was flipping through um, only have a handful of uh, acting credit, credits that are named. So I figured, eh, we'll leave it with this. <laughs> yeah, um, we covered we covered the bases. Um, all right, so let's certainly take it away. All right, Maple Street, USA, late summer, a tree-lined little world of front porch gliders, barbecues, the laughter of children, and the bell of an ice cream vendor. At the sound of the roar and the flash of light, it will be precisely 6.43 p.m. on Maple Street. This is Maple Street on a late Saturday afternoon. Maple Street, in the last calm and reflective moment before the monsters came. That was a very disjointed intro. Like, if you watch the episode, there's like a little bit of dialogue in between, but I wanted to make sure that I got the Serling bookend on that because I thought it was very important. Yeah, I'm glad you got the noise too. <laughs> but that went on for like another 10 seconds. I'm like, I can't have that. It's a really loud yeah. noise. <laughs> but but um, yeah, that's the, that's the yeah, intro. So yeah, I guess we can jump into the plot. It's fairly simple. So we're on Maple Street, as uh, Mr. Serling said. Um, everyone's out kind of doing their thing and nice summer afternoon. And there is a, a big light and a noise that happens and they all just assume it was a, uh, meteor or something. So after that, all of the electronics, the cars, the phones, everything shuts off. They can't use anything. Um, and from then they go on to start. Well, I guess, uh, there's the kid, Tommy who, tells them that they're not allowed to leave, that the aliens are watching them, you know, they won't let them leave, and that somebody in town is probably an alien that was sent here ahead. So the rest of the episode is them kind of trying to figure out who the alien might be and who doesn't belong. Well, yeah, and I like that at the very beginning, like, they all see what happened on the street, and then the reasonable reaction is, I'm going to go check the next street over and see what happened, or the other guys were like, we're going to go downtown and see what's going on. And yeah. then somehow they convinced themselves, well, the one guy left. He wandered off to go check out um, the next street over and disappears for seven hours. But whatever. Um, he, But the other people just convinced themselves that, you know, we should stay. We should stay and, and really have a discussion about people we don't trust. And that seemed very, um, like, it was interesting because the kid was very, um, like, sincere telling the story about the book that he read. And then after mm-hmm. saying that there's aliens... There was a really interesting uh, pan of the people. Like you just saw, it was like very first person of all their faces, and how like you could just tell at first like they, oh, it's kind of a joke, and then they all kind of started getting kind of somber as they started thinking about it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great shot. Um, and it, you know, this uh, some of the performance in this are kind of wooden, and you start seeing that in those reaction shots. But I think it works really well because. Um, you're not really able to read anyone in the episode, which is uh, which is a pretty nice thing. Yeah, I mean, some, there was one of the uh, one or two of the wives in there that had a very uh, like radio play type of delivery to what they were saying, so that was very off putting. But for the most part, you're right; like everybody was just kind of 
like you know the, the more distant the better because then that really would put you, you don't know their motivation yeah um yeah so that that's pretty much the plot i don't know how much else you want to get into um i guess we can bring up other plot points as we go through here well, the, the big thing is, like, at first, like, they they don't know what happened, so then they start trying to rule out, like, the obvious, and when they start mentioning, like, uh, weather phenomena or something from, like, you know, like a, a solar flare or a meteorite, they have discussions about why that doesn't make sense, but then immediately the kid mentions aliens, so everyone's like, oh, yeah, that has to be the right answer, and then they, then they hear a car turn on, and it's um, one of the, the one neighbor, um, oh... Les Goodman. There you go. Uh, and he comes out, and he's just like like what's going on he's like i don't know my car just turned on and everyone's just staring at him and then the car just shuts off and then they keep staring at him because he was like the one guy that didn't come outside the moment the flash happened yeah and uh so we get the we get the first forming of the angry mob as they all go over there and i i like uh steve's character how he is trying to calm everyone down but you can tell they is still interested in going and seeing what's going on with him yeah, um, I like that because they're all kind of rushing over, and he was like, "Let's not be a mob." And then they all just kind of stop and then just walk slower. But yeah. it was just like, <laughs> um, yeah. So they go over there, and uh, it comes out that the one lady, the one neighbor, has seen him out in the early morning, I guess, end of the night, uh, staring up at the sky. So that that's a pretty cool revelation in this one. I, I like that um, someone's like behavior that they've known this guy for five years is mm-hmm. suddenly suspect like he yeah. you know, it's like oh he's like he comes out every night and stares at the sky it's like well you come out every night and stare at him and no one's questioning that like that seems a little you know that seems a little odd but the moment you got someone that's like presenting someone that's a little peculiar suddenly then everything is under suspicion and, and, yeah. he, and he was like, guys, I have, you know, I can't sleep at night. I, um, I'm an insomniac and I come out here and I like looking at the stars that like, you know, it calms my nerves and everyone's like, yeah, we don't believe you. That just seems like yeah. he gave him a reasonable discussion, a reasonable reason. Everyone's like, nope, alien. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of think that everyone jumped on the alien thing a little bit too fast, but that's probably my only complaint with this episode. Um, and again, it's a 20 minute episode, so you got to get to it. Especially with the amount of uh, character turns and everything in this, you have to get to that quickly. So, and I, I didn't. I guess it's not necessarily too big of a problem. No, no, I didn't. I didn't have a problem with that either. I just, I mean, you you have to get to. There is seeds of suspicion pretty early, mm-hmm. but then like you go to the the um, chapter break and then the show starts back up again. It's nighttime. And um, he's on his porch, uh, the guy's name's going to fail me again, uh, Les Goodman's on his porch with his wife, and, and everybody's just like, like sitting outside his house staring at him, and just waiting for him to do something, you know, like he's under suspicion, and then this becomes this whole thing of like, um, he comes out and calls them out, and that's the, the bit I played at the very beginning here, where he's like, you don't want to start this. Because yeah. this is worse than the you know than anything else. Where it basically, like, if you start questioning those around you, where's it going to end? And that's that's where it starts kind of spiraling at that point. Yeah, yeah. So uh, then they start turning. I think the next person they turn their attention to is Steve, right? Yeah, yeah. And they it, you find out that he has a ham radio in the basement, and he spends hours down there. His wife has been telling neighbors about it. So they're like, who are you talking to on that radio? 
<laughs> I like that he basically is like, oh, to Martians, don't you know? Like, basically, he's calling them all out, like saying, you're being ridiculous. And then they're like, well, we've never seen this radio. And his wife's like, let's let's show it to him. He's like, no, like you, you can't, you just got to trust that like you know we don't have any ill will we're neighbors you know and i i respect that that was a very like andy griffith like line in the sand like this is common decency we just can't give in and like you know just every single thing you're going to question we have to we have to prove it yeah yeah so we get a few more turns then eventually everyone turns on charlie um the uh, the guy that's kind of the ringleader of the angry mob played by Jack Weston. And I like his performance. Uh, he's he's probably the standout uh, for me. Yeah. He just he's kind of goofy, but it works. Um, so after they turn their attention to him, they start hearing footsteps coming down the street. And this scene actually, it's kind of terrifying when it starts. And, and all credit to um, the, the director that of all the music cues that we see in the twilight zone, they kept the music out of this moment. And I think that was like perfect. You just, Oh yeah. Just the silence with the footsteps coming down the street. Yeah. It's yeah, definitely effective. Um, but yeah, like the, the, so you hear the footsteps, like the lights are out. So you can't see who it is. Clearly the kids like, Oh, it's the alien. But it's like, why does the alien have overalls on? Whatever. We're just going to shoot them. And then it finds out. (laughs) Well, Charlie shoots. Yeah. Charlie shoots them. Initially, uh, Steve has the gun and, uh, Charlie pulls it from him. He's like, you're just going to let these aliens walk all over us. And he, give me the gun. And he immediately takes a gun and shoots him. No questions asked. Yeah. Uh, and then you find out it's the neighbor who left hours before to go check out the next street over. Uh, which, I mean, that's my only like logic problem is like, did he just go and like have like an entire adventure? Like, he's like, oh, there was, it was fine. There was electricity. I hung out. We listened to the radio. I didn't come back and tell anybody anything until well, maybe the aliens never let him leave. Maybe they picked him up or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. They're but, just playing games. Maybe that's true. Um, <laughs> but then the moment like the guy gets shot, like, uh, uh, Charlie is just like, you see him have this panic of just like, I didn't know what was going on. And it's like, you know, he's trying to justify his actions. And Steve's mm-hmm. like, you know, you just killed a man. Like, you know, you have to be accountable for that. And then, and then that's when like all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I big fan of this, of this episode mainly because you really get to see, uh, Serling's take on trying to do, uh, a political message through a sci-fi story and kind of sneaking that on TV. Yeah. And it, that's something that twilight zone had become so well known for eventually. Um, I think this one is the most out in the open we've seen thus far. I'm trying to think if there's any other episodes we've done that have been this in your face with their message. Well, I mean, other than at the end of elegy, whenever it's like, uh, but said that man can never know peace or whatever it was, then they're mentioning yeah. like they basically that was the, the the overall comment about it, right? But this is more like this isn't your next door neighbor and this is like the height of McCarthyism and, and all of that. So like I could yeah, see the blacklisting you know, and all that. Yeah. Um so the but then it is much like it, it is it's very Twilight Zone to find out that as this, as everybody's like breaking down here, uh, people are grabbing stones and throwing them, which is very symbolic. There's these great Dutch angles of like the houses with the lights turning on and off. Everybody's panicking, mm-hmm. saying, "Well, they have power, and now they have power," and then they start turning on each other. And then you find out that um, there's aliens watching from the distance, and basically yep. they're just like, 
all you gotta do is just take away their creature comforts and they'll turn on each other. And there's Maple Streets all over America or all over the world. They said, yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I like the ending. It, you know, it's a very serious thing throughout the whole episode, and then you get that great, just classic sci-fi ending, and with the UFO flying away in the last shot. Um, and they didn't even use any weapons. They're just like they had like this, like basically like uh, whatever control panel where it's like just flick on some lights, take away the electricity, and that's that. Like that's all you need. He's like basically they're saying that they're already ready to destroy themselves. Why would we need to exert that much force? Just let them go. Yeah, yeah. We've seen Serling take on the role of technology uh, and humanity, and I think it's Charlie who makes a comment about feeling like they're back in the dark ages. And it's just it's really interesting to see his take on if you take away these things like technology and just our possessions and all that you take that away we're basically the same as we've always been just as far as our human nature and, yeah uh, yeah I, I think that uh, on you know the communism stuff is really in your face with this and it's something we deal with now with the whole terrorist thing you know never trusting anyone and uh but i i really think the whole human nature and taking technology away and how close we are to living in the dark ages again um it is real interesting. Well, this setup would be worse today because of our dependency on, like, the internet and just connectivity. Yeah. You know, and, like, you know, I mean, you know, for goodness sake, like, you know, you and I are two different locations recording this, and it's going to be sent out into space, and people can download it on their phones and listen to it. Uh, but the moment you take this away from me, I'm just sitting at home being like, I guess I could maybe watch a DVD if there's power. Otherwise, I'm just going to be staring, like sitting in my chair going, I don't know what to do with my life now. I have no access to anything. Like, <laughs> like I mean, these people at least were out like enjoying a summer day when this happened. You know, they're washing the car. Kids are playing baseball. I would just be, I don't know what I would do. I would just, I would just be like just hoping and staring at my TV screen, hoping it comes back on. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would say the stand-in for if you were to put this today with the internet, I mean, their phones and cars not working is basically their connection to the rest of the world. And having those taken away, I mean, you're left to your own devices at that point. Yeah, absolutely. I, but the whole the whole theme of mistrust, it doesn't take much to get things spinning. Uh, I feel like is a lot more. It's. I mean, yeah, you had the fear of communism. You didn't. You didn't trust your neighbor. And, and we talk about the threat of terrorism. I don't know if terrorism. I mean, that's that's always a big thing in the back of people's minds. But I'm thinking more like. You know, just recently with everything, like with the election cycle, it didn't take much for someone to turn and look at that person and be like, I don't understand you or trust you. And I'm not saying that's a healthy reaction. I'm just saying that's a reaction. And people yeah. were so quick to be like, well, that person said this or that person believes that, that it's able, it's easy to incite a reaction from a crowd. Yeah. And yeah. And people turning on each other real quick. I mean, how many stories have you heard about uh, people not talking to family members because of the election recently and uh you know having falling out with friends over the election and uh yeah you're right it's that even more so than the whole terrorism and you know the kind of witch hunts that have been going on for the past 15 years um with that i yeah. think yeah i think you're dead on with the election stuff and politics right now well and that and also like to to pick on uh charlie for a second he was the the one that until the very end until he shot somebody you know uh he was the one that was able to kind of be the ringleader because he was always the one to point to somebody else or point mm -hmm. out like things. So he was able to control by constantly accusing others. 
And I feel like, again, that's something else that feels very prevalent now where all you got to do is accuse somebody of something. You don't have to prove it. You just got to say, well, that person does that. And everyone's like, oh, well, screw them. You know, we're angry now. You know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, and, and yeah. the episode has, you know, undercurrents of uh, just xenophobia in this, too. Just, you know, scared of the other coming in. And uh, I mean, you talk about terrorism right now and the use of, uh, you know, calling out the other and. Uh, just xenophobic uh, opinions and everything. It's it's kind of terrifying watching this. Yeah, and but like the whole threat of communism was such a a big big worry then that if you even hinted that someone didn't believe in like you know apple pie, red, white, and blue, like America, like people, like it, there was like this constant like just fear of like, well, get away from me. I don't want you near me because if you believe something that's a little different than what we believe, you can't possibly be American. And yeah. like that was like you go back and think about like the blacklisting you're mentioning of like celebrities and, and writers and everything in Hollywood, which I'm sure Serling was speaking directly to about this as well, you Definitely. know, because he probably witnessed a lot of it, you know, <laughs> and how how absurd it really is. Um, man, like, like I said, this 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 episode's over 50 years old, but it's like it, it really this one hits home. And then also the notion of it doesn't take much to let people destroy themselves is a very like it's a very sad thought but it doesn't seem that like i don't know out, out outside of reality you know so yeah like i said take away the technology what are we yeah, <laughs> we're just I mean, a bunch of animals you if, know if you remove if you remove the aliens from this it's just like oh well like it, it like and actually there was a remake of this episode in 83 with the, the relaunch of the cbs twilight zone and they mm -hmm. changed it or it was 83 or 93 either way one of the one of the revivals where they changed it to where there was no aliens, but it was actually a government experiment to see how people react when you take away their power. And then mm -hmm. the people all collapsed on the one neighbor that didn't come out during the initial power failure. And then where they were convinced that they're terrorists. And it's like, and that was almost like the Twilight Zone dialing it back a little bit where you think they would go further with it. You know, yeah. and they grounded it more in reality. And that is way more terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. The episode did not need the little uh, stinger with the aliens on this. Um, it, it's it's a nice little flourish on it just to give it that sci fi feel and everything. But you're right. The story stands by itself really well. Well, and I think um, it helps having like that outside presence being like we we have ascended to where we don't need much to understand how the universe works. And we're past like we're aliens. So we see human nature as curious and self-destructive. It's an easy way to have that high high you know, viewpoint to where like, you know, maybe, unfortunately, maybe you need to spell it out for somebody at the very end. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's pretty heavy subject uh, matter for this time on TV. So maybe that's just to make people feel a little bit better that like, well, it was the aliens doing it, you know, just to <laughs> calm people down at the end of this episode. Cause it's, it's a dark, it's dark. Um, another, another thing I wrote down, uh, while watching it, uh, a subject that he's also approached in earlier episodes, kind of the dark side of uh, suburbia and the American dream, and just that uh, that evil right underneath. There's just something not right underneath the the perfect suburbia. Yeah, I mean, and that's something like I was going to mention. It's easy to see this concept or the story idea be used over and over again. Like, uh, like clearly, I, I can tell. I have a feeling Stephen King was as a kid just like locked to watching every Friday night watching the show because you see something like this reverberate um, in the mist like easily 
Yeah. We have people in a supermarket. Oh, there's there's crazy things outside. Maybe we don't know for sure. Then later on, they find out it's true. But what's worse, the the monsters outside <laughs> or the people inside? You know, and, and King goes back to that over and over again of like, sure, there might be a scary vampire out there, but I don't trust that guy beside me because their you know their instincts might be off. You know, and yeah, um, yeah, like it's 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 interesting to see the collapse. I mean, I, I'm sure there's other things I could think of too that aren't just King related that you put people in a um, an unpredictable situation and you just slowly see them have to form sides and have to form alliances and have to root out the weakest. I don't know, it's it's very um, I don't want to say it's a trope because it feels like it happens. Yeah. I mean, it's a thing that happens in zombie films. Uh, like you said, monster movies in general. You know, if it's a survival horror film, there tends to be that one asshole in the group. And that's what I think more is the trope that this story gets played out through one character a lot of times now in stories. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so I was thinking, like, uh, about what happened in terms of them losing the power. And I, I try to find something that's related to the episode. And I feel like the whole distrust of your neighbors is pretty relevant. So I don't need to go citing all those examples, but, um, so you, it's not funny. That's, that's not funny, <laughs> but okay. 2003, um, the blackout that hit Cleveland. I don't know where you were at the time when that happened. Um, were you, in, um, yeah. Yeah, actually, I'm glad you brought this up. I, we were just talking about that. Uh, my girlfriend was like, why Why does everyone go outside when the power is out like that? And uh, I grew up in a suburban neighborhood on a cul-de-sac. And I remember during that major blackout, um, everyone was just outside. Like, everybody came outside at the same time. And then we ended up just hanging out outside for the, <laughs> the rest of the day and the next day, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it it felt really familiar to me the fact that everyone would go out and start talking to each other. Is your power out? Is your power out? Is that's what we would always do for some reason? Well, you it, know, now if my power goes out on the in the place we live now, it's just like just keep the door shut, just stay inside, <laughs> <laughs> like, don't, don't talk to anybody. Well, um, I was living in Cleveland at the time uh, when this happened. So I mean, I still live in Cleveland, but I'm saying I was here in 2003 when it actually happened. I was at work that day. And then the power went out, and it was like halfway through the workday. And um, the where I worked at, it was like one store in Ohio, and they had other stores in Michigan and like one in Pittsburgh. And I told them, I was like, hey, there's no power here. And they're like, well, see if you can stay open. I'm like, really? Really? That's what's going to happen? <laughs> so I ended up having to work to almost sunset, and I drove home, and I lived in on like West 48th of Cleveland. So that's like, you know, at the time, it was a little sketchier area. And I went home, and I was listening to the radio because I had batteries for the radio. And it was just a, a weird, eerie, not eerie in a bad way, but having no streetlights, having no actual lights on, and just hearing how quiet the city was. And then my roommate and I at the time, we walked down the, the street towards uh, Franklin Castle because I was like, well, if there's any time to go look at a haunted house, it'd be yeah. in the middle of a blackout. And so we go walking down there, and there's just people on their front porches like with candles. There's someone with a guitar. It was the most peaceful I've ever seen Cleveland. And, yeah. I, and it was like very people were waiting for this place to burn and it didn't, you know, and <laughs> I feel like it's like a stark contrast to this, you know, what we just watched where I'm sure there was some crime. I'm sure there was some stuff that happened, but everyone, everyone's eyes were on New York City at the time because they were also blacked out. And, and but everyone was just kind of waiting for Cleveland to be like screwed up for everybody else because I mean, it, it, the actual power outage happened around Cleveland that knocked out most of the uh, the power. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. It was uh, first energy that caused the problems. Yeah, I, I don't remember what caused it. Yeah, um, Ohio, Ohio caused the blackout. Everyone was quick to point that out after. 
But yeah, it was such uh, a, a weird, like, I didn't know my neighbors, but I didn't have any, I, I wasn't suspicious. They were just all like, because like, what were you going to do? Like your, your power was out. It wasn't like you could really do much of anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember breaking out the, uh, uh, little boom box I had and, uh, we were playing music and just skateboarding the street. Everyone else was just sitting around on lawn chairs, you know, talking to neighbors. <laughs> it was kind of nice actually looking back on it. Yeah, I mean, because it was so. like it was the summer, so I mean, it's like the re- part of the reason I think people went outside is because like I'm sure it was nicer outside than it would be inside without like air conditioning and things, you know. So, um, yeah. But yeah, I was reading about all this, and then uh, the one thing I also wanted to find, point out too is that Cedar Point, when it hit, uh, the the employees had to go walk guests off the Magnum, which that's a 200 foot tall oh, roller coaster. Yeah. And that's that, my biggest fear is having to walk down a step on the steps on roller coasters. It's oh, it's terrifying. Yeah. And so, uh, it, yeah, I just thought that was a nice uh, correlation to actually having a power outage. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, uh, did you have anything else, uh, the, about the episode? I mean, it's, it like, I feel like this is one of those ones where it was directed well, but it, it didn't need to be like over directed. Meaning yeah, like, and I don't. I don't think it was. I think he does uh, just enough, and like he said, there are moments of greatness, and then there are moments of mediocrity. But it, this this episode lives and dies by its teleplay. Yeah, which uh, to speak of that, like whenever right before we were recording, I decided to put the episode on again as I was working on something else, and I wasn't really watching the screen, but I was listening to it. This fits really well as just like you could just listen to it and still get everything, and that speaks really well to the script. Yeah, um, yeah. the only other note I have on here, I kind of mentioned it before with the wooden performances from a few people. Um, yeah, I, I like it. People, like you said, it was kind of off-putting, and uh, it kind of it made you suspicious as well. Yeah. And you weren't quite sure if th- the other people's suspicions were warranted or if it was just in your head. It does a great job. And I don't know if that was necessarily intentional with some of the actors, because looking at... A few of these actors' uh, <laughs> careers, they weren't in a lot of stuff. So besides those main actors, the main four that we kind of went over, um, there's not too many big names in here. So it may have just been that they weren't good actors, but it lends <laughs> itself well. Yeah. And I, I was going to point out towards the end. <laughs> not trying to be a little harsh on some of the people, but it, it works well. No, they, they, they did exactly what they needed to do. Yeah. But whenever the chaos at the end with all the lights flickering and everything, there was a brief shot of a lawnmower, like a push mower, turning on and then turning off. <laughs> I, something about that made me laugh. And it probably shouldn't have made me laugh because it was just like of all the things for the aliens to keep turning on and off, like cars I can kind of get, whatever. But it's like, let's just turn on that lawnmower for a second just to freak people out. It gave me like a very maximum overdrive vibe, but for like a half second. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was, Again, another Stephen King uh, correlation. Yeah. Um, no, it was, it's a good episode. I feel like, um, this one's more, I, it's, it's tough because the context of what it is, is not something I'm not afraid to have a conversation about. I feel like the past year and a half, this is what the conversation has been though. Like just yeah. talking just in general and I'm not trying to get political, but it, it's very like every day you see someone saying something that you either agree with or don't agree with right and it's like and, yeah, and, and a lot of a lot of fingers being pointed yeah so it's it's not i mean it's more like i feel like i've just kind of lived a lot of this for a while so it's hard for me to keep wanting to discuss it because i'd rather focus on on good things but at the same time <laughs> we, we need to be aware of this like this is a story this is a short story it's a tv show but clearly Serling had an idea just because I think he's he's a really he was really, really good 
at just human nature, you know, and seeing yeah. how because you take these episodes we've seen, you boil them down. There is some type of motivation from the people in it that you can always relate to. Yeah, and they're timeless. Yeah. Um, and it, it, the the subjects and the themes that he deals with, like you said, are really do just come down to human nature a lot of times, and that's something that's never going away. And I think that's the reason that the Twilight Zone has lasted and yeah. really persevered through through the past sixty years. Absolutely. So I mean, the, the, also this panic that makes me think of a little bit of like the War of the Worlds broadcast, where someone all they had to do was hear the radio story of aliens coming, and then everybody freaked out. You know, and that that's was true. That's a good point. That kind of takes away my. Uh, my criticism of people jumping onto the alien thing too fast because it happened. <laughs> well, you did. I mean, I forget when that actually happened, but it was probably like what uh, twenty years before this, because I, I know it was a radio broadcast, and I forget the date of it. Um, yeah. But but it was easy. It's easy to if you plant the seed, and then yeah. you have nineteen thirty eight. There you go, nineteen thirty eight. Uh, it's easy to plant the seed of doubt, and then have one coincidence happen, and then just the wheels fall off. You know, and and then the case of like the neighbor where like the aliens is new, like we're going to get this guy's car to start for no reason. And that was just enough to get them just on their way and be like, oh, that guy's a sky looker. He's a weirdo. You know, sky looker. <laughs> that's what, really what they said. It's like he just looks at the sky all night and then and then he just drinks milk at nighttime for some reason. He's a weirdo. We, we don't trust him. You know, it's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't I don't know if I'd trust my neighbor if I uh, went outside at night taking the trash out and saw them just sipping milk on their uh, front porch. <laughs> <laughs> I might not trust them. <laughs> I mean, like just like sitting on the porch and having a drink or like doing that while looking up at the sky every time he walked out. Yeah. Yeah. Drinking just, milk and staring up at the sky uh, every night might freak me out. <laughs> it would be it would be a little odd. I'm not I saying start, I might start doing that now. Just see what my neighbor says. <laughs> Yeah, just be like, you should say, hey, you guys just want to come over for sky looking and some milk? You guys, so, want, it's like one o'clock in the morning. morning. It's like, you guys want some milk? Yeah, it's like, I can't sleep. Just like, let's just like, just hang out and drink some milk and then talk about the stars, you know? Oh, that man. seems reasonable. I, I'm, sh- I'm sure there would not be a mob forming out around your house. I'm sure that would not happen. Um, but no, this is like a great episode. You can't really, I mean, this one's one of those ones where it's like, it stands on its own so well that I don't think I have to say anything more to hold it up. Because clearly this is on people's like top 10 lists all the time. Um, which is also odd because I looked it up and this was of in Time Magazine's like top 10 Twilight Zone episodes. So far we've seen four of their top 10 and this is the first season. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that's that scares me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, what are we going into these next seasons? Who knows? Uh-huh. Um but yeah, it, it's good. I'm glad. You know, I, I know you were excited to talk about this one. You said it's one of your favorites. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's one that I remember vividly from uh, being a kid and watching through the series. Um, and like you said, it plays really well today. It still holds up, and uh, yeah, it's it kind of terrifying now, even more than ever. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, it, let's just get to the twist. You're going to be surprised by this. Um, I, I forgot how this ended. I, I I know the story, but I forgot how it ended. I'm going to give it a five because I was wow. expecting because I was expecting aliens at some point, right? But since all they had to do was really just nudge something like what, what what's it the Joker says in the Dark Knight? Also requires is a little push is what it's something to that effect, right? And and yeah. um and then basically all they had to do is go to step back, almost like a Far Side cartoon, and be like, Hey Gary, watch when I mess with the lights; they're going to kill each other. Like, that was the part that I just didn't expect was more of, like, the 
it, it was more when the people they were the monsters doing Maple Street and the aliens were just watching. Yeah, um, this might be the first time you rate a twist higher than me. Oh, um, I'm gonna give the twist a four out of five. The episode as a whole gets a five out of five, but I feel like the twist lacks that real shocking uh, ending to it. You know, like, and it, it's hard because I've seen this episode so many times that watching it now and really trying to dissect that twist and see how I feel about it is hard as I know I knew it was coming the whole time. And uh, it just it, it doesn't give me that same shock factor that some of the other episodes have that I've given uh, like a five out of five to. Well, so. it, 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 I think part of it, too, is because this is the quintessential Twilight Zone ending of it was man's fault the entire time, you know, like yeah. and yeah. like you see that with like Planet of the Apes. And, and I know Futurama did with the scary door where it was always like it was man, <laughs> you know, and like I feel like that is an easy circling of what Twilight Zone does. So maybe this doesn't hit as hard now because it hit hard once. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I could agree with that. But yeah, I'm gonna stick with my four out of five. But it's Ooh. it's pretty perfect episode. Yeah, as far good. as I'm concerned. I mean, this is this is one of those episodes I'd point to if somebody had never seen Twilight Zone before. Like, start with one of these. Like, I, this I, yeah, could, yeah, I'd be like, this, like you one, said, a quintessential Twilight Zone episode. Like, watch this, then watch Mr. Denton on Doomsday, and then you got everything <laughs> yeah. you need from Twilight Zone. <laughs> No, um, no, a good episode. I, I'm, I'm glad that we watched this. And again, I, it's, it's like, um, even the, to uh, relate, like, what was the, the second chapter of Stranger Things? It was called The Weirdo on Maple Street. I think it was the name of the episode. So even yeah. like they were referencing, like I've heard, I've knew about this, and I'm sure I've seen parts of it, right? And it's just, I just don't think I've ever remember actually seeing the episode in full. So it was a good, a good first time watch to my knowledge. I forgot about that Stranger Things uh, reference to this. Good call. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Kevin, how can people get a hold of us and form uh, a can, mob? A form a mob? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, you can come to our houses. <laughs> we'll be um, drinking milk. It'll be fine. We'll do some yeah. sky looking. I got plenty of milk to go around. Um, that sounds weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can email us at Radio Violent. Oh, did the wrong podcast. <laughs> oh, you can email us at Radio Violent as well if you want, but I wouldn't be yeah, there to yeah. answer it. Yeah, go check out that show. Uh, it's okay. Um, <laughs> Strange Highways Podcast at gmail.com. Um, if you want to write us email, let us know what you think about the episodes. Let us know what you think about our show. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, Strange Highways. Uh, Strange Highways Podcast on Facebook. Uh, join the conversation on there. And then you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music now and leave us a review if you're enjoying the show. Yeah, that would be great if you could do five-star reviews or however many stars is the most stars. That would be the best. Um, it would be greatly appreciated. And since you mentioned Radio Violence, I'm just going to throw out uh, uh, our last episode that I did of Evasion of the Podcast. We talked about The Running Man, which is set nice. in 2017. And I feel like a lot of what it goes into also resonates a lot more now than it did when it mm. came out in 1987. So that's the only reason why I'm plugging it is because I feel like the whole dystopian kind of like this whole hyper reality of like the reality TV shows and how twisting of narratives is very relevant now and check it out. Um, and, and if you haven't seen that movie, watch that movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, it's um, fantastic. But yeah, we haven't plugged our other shows in a while. So yeah, go check out invasion of the podcast and uh, radio violenta. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, so next episode is uh, a world of difference. Um, written by Richard Matheson, so we'll get some more of his uh, his awesome writing. Uh, I can't wait to hear Kevin's take on this episode because I I've already seen it because I was trying to prepare for the next time we record. 
Um, interesting. Uh, let's let's just put it that way. We'll see. We'll see what you think of it. Nice. Yeah, I've I've never seen this one, but always excited to see Matheson back in the uh, writing seat. Yeah. Uh, directed by Ted Post. That was my driving instructor in high school. His name. <laughs> what well, Ted Post? <laughs> That's weird. Spoiler. That's weird that that just came back to me. I, I was, All right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> unnecessary. Ted Post directed the baby from like was 1972, 73. Oh, you've been talking about that one for a yes, while. And I still I, haven't seen that. <laughs> oh my goodness! Like so, after knowing that. Like after finding that out after watching the episode the first time, I'm just like, I don't know how I feel about this anymore because that movie screwed with me and it was very much a Twilight <laughs> Zone type story. So maybe I'll post this, the, the trailer to that after we talk about next week's episode. It is yeah. goofy and it messed me up. Anyway, enough about that. That's next week yep. or whenever we, we get back to this. So yep. uh, in the meantime, uh, you know, have a have a safe week. Um, maybe, maybe talk to your neighbors over a nice cup of milk and, you know, just trust people i don't know don't don't be an angry mob that's what we ask yeah. for just pour a big glass of milk and listen to strange highways <laughs>